Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. I believe in following the direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I believe in following what God is doing in the moment. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 27. In a few minutes, we'll get to our passage. And today, we conclude our sermon series, Church in the Wild. And I want you to know this. Remember, your situation and circumstances have to bow to the Lord your God. Did you hear me? Your circumstances have to bow to the Lord your God. Have you ever been headed somewhere and you knew this was not going to turn out quite so well? Today we're going to talk about and look at a passage concerning a shipwreck. A literal shipwreck. Things go from bad to worse and then the unthinkable happens. Many of us have experienced situations where things go from bad to worse and then the unthinkable takes place. Shipwrecked. I remind you this day, God can work even in your shipwreck. God can work when the unthinkable happens. Here in Acts 27, we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but I would encourage you later on this afternoon to read chapters 26 through 28 so you can see the entire context of what we're speaking about this morning. Paul is a prisoner. He is in jail. And they're transporting him along with some other prisoners to Rome. Paul is going to stand before Caesar and defend himself at trial concerning the accusations brought against him. Let me give you an important note. Paul's enemies saw this as a way to imprison Paul and to crush him. However, the apostles saw this as an opportunity to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Sing a little louder is an opportunity for you to remind the devil he has not crushed you, he has not overcome you, he is not victorious. It's an opportunity for you to declare to the world the circumstances that are surrounding you are not your master, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords is. We give an opportunity to sing a little louder is letting the world know we are not imprisoned by our circumstances, but we are free in Christ Jesus. Can I challenge you this day? You will never be a prisoner of your circumstances if you find meaning in serving God in all situations. You'll never be a prisoner to your circumstances if you find meaning in serving God in every situation. Whether you feel like it or whether you don't. Whether they're pleasant 
or whether they're not, whether they're good or whether they're bad, you won't be a prisoner to your circumstance because you know your purpose is to serve God in all things. Refuse to allow your value to be set by the agenda of the world. Refuse to allow your value to be set by the agenda of the world. Always remember, you are sons and daughters of the Most High, and your steps have been ordered by God. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Sometimes we forget that. He delights in every detail. You mean even when things are not going well? Absolutely. Even when I'm not doing good? Absolutely. He delights in every detail of your life. I remind you, you're not here by accident. I remind you, you're not in that storm because you just eased into it. I remind you that your steps are ordered by a loving, compassionate God, and he knows exactly what he is doing. Somebody just stop right now and say, thank you, Jesus. Somebody right now, just lift your hands and give God praise. Uh, He has you uh, in the middle of the storm. Let's look at our passage together. I want to skip around, so follow me if you would. Begin in verse 1. The New Living Translation says, When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius. We left on a ship whose home port was in Adriminum and on the neath or northwest coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. Go down to verse 7. We had several days of slow sailing. And after great difficulty, we finally neared... Uh, Uh, Sidus, but the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Samoan. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We had lost a whole lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Verse 13. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. Have you ever had situations change suddenly? In a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster, burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors could not turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Verse 17. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Sardis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. 
The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars. Notice this commentary. Until at last, all hope was gone. Verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You should have avoided all of this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and of whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. For I believe God. Is there anybody here who says, I believe God? It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Verse 42, the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they did not swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others hit on the planks or debris from the broken ship so everyone escaped safely to shore. Wow. What a story. And who said God's word is boring? It's a harrowing story of intrigue, of suspense, of a storm, of a ship being tossed, broken up into pieces, and swimming ashore for your dear life. The apostle found himself in the middle of the ocean, a foreign ship, a prisoner, in the middle of a northeaster, but guess what? He found the presence of God to be there too. I've come to remind you today. You may feel like you're in the storm of all storms. You may feel like a northeaster has battered your ship and safety is now lost. But God is with you. There's some information I think is important to bring out in order for us to identify as much as possible with this experience. Verses 8 through 10, you see Paul's concern about traveling in the high seas during this time. And Luke tells us that Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Verse 11 tells us that the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and to the owner than he did to Paul. Verse 13, they set sail. And the weather is good. The weather is fair. However, the weather begins to change abruptly. Let me ask a question. Have you ever had a situation start off okay and then suddenly things change? The forecast gets bleak real quick. They found themselves in the northeaster. Now notice some details of the story which will help you understand the seriousness of this storm. They bound ropes around the hull of the ship. Why? To strengthen it so it wouldn't fall apart. 
And then the crew began to throw precious cargo overboard. And for many days, the sun was blotted out along with the stars. Darkness covered the seas. Verse 20, it says, until all hope was gone. My intention today is to bring some observations of the storm, some observations of what was taking place, and then some lessons that we can apply to our life. The first observation I notice is this. God still speaks even in the middle of a storm. Has anybody found that to be true in your life? God still speaks even in the middle of the storm. You may find yourself in a crisis. Are you listening for the voice of God? Look for God to speak to you even in the middle of your crisis. Another observation is realize sometimes you're not in charge. Sometimes you're not the leader. Says that Paul in verse 21 says no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me. In the first place, and never left Crete. We would have avoided all the damage and loss. You may not be in charge, but you can offer sound advice, give your wisdom, but it may not be heeded. And guess what? You still have to go alone. You still have to travel. Some of us are upset because we're in a storm and, and the beginning of it, we had nothing to do with it. But in the middle of the storm, we're upset and we're pouting, we're crying, we're angry because somebody else has caused us to be in the storm. Never once do you read where Paul was angry. Never once do you read where he began to question what God was doing. Realize you may not be the one in control But it doesn't change the fact you're still in the middle of the storm. Choose, write this, see, to be a voice of reason. I believe we need some people who will be a voice of reason today. There are some people God is looking for to be a voice of reason Paul gave voice of reason. He advised them saying, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster. Be the voice of reason. However, even though others may not listen, it doesn't change the fact of your countenance and your confidence. Because your confidence is not in people's decisions. Your confidence is in the God who controls the storm. I observe this. And what I, what I look at and what I see when I observe this story is I observe the, the, the confidence that Paul has. He's poised with confidence. You say, why and how? How could you be in the middle of a storm of a northeaster? And I believe as a believer, as a son, he knew he would be protected and provided for. He understood he was on a mission. You may be thinking, no, no, Paul was a prisoner being transported to Rome. Well, as a matter of fact, yes, yes, he was. He was a prisoner, but the storm revealed Paul was freer than anyone else on the ship. 
And the passage tells us there was over 276 people on board. Guess what? 275 were now prisoners of the storm. It is Paul who is free. Tell me, in the middle of the storm, you can be free. In the middle of the storm, you can sing a little louder. In the middle of the storm, you can dance. You can shout. You can have joy on your face. Why? Because the presence of God is with you. 275 people were imprisoned by the storm. And here's the apostle. He's free. Wow. Poised with confidence. Can I ask a question? Are you a prisoner of the storm? Are you a prisoner to your circumstances? Are you a prisoner to the situation? So many people are. That's why I believe the Holy Spirit gave a rhema word. Sing a little louder. Because God was giving you the keys. Did you hear me? God was just giving you the keys to unlock that prison. And all you need to do was sing a little louder. See, sometimes the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do something that makes no sense in the natural. Everybody around you are saying you should be sad. You should be fearful. You should worry and be concerned. But the Spirit of God says, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. And suddenly, church, when you learn to obey, a freedom comes over you like none other. Write these three things down real quick. How could Paul be confident when shipwreck seemed so evident? He was a man in communion with God. He was a man in communion with God. Not only was he in communion, but he was a man in communication with God. When was the last time you talked to the Father? When was the last time you you talked to Jesus? He was a man in communication with God. He was a man on an assignment. When you realize you have an assignment, then you're not going to allow the Northeaster to destroy your confidence. You're not going to allow the circumstances that are fluid and changing to knock you off course. Why? Because you have an assignment. Paul could have confidence because he had an assignment. You say, well, well, how do I discover my assignment? Where has God placed you? Start right there. We're always looking for God to give us a new job, a new situation, a new, a new circumstance. Just start being who God's called you to be right where you are. And guess what? What are your gifts? Start using your gifts. Start using what you have. Quit looking at what you don't have. Quit envying your brother and sister and saying, I wish I was more like them. Go ahead and use the gifts that God has already placed within you. Wow. Who do you influence, question mark? Begin with your circle. You want to know what your assignment is? You're already there. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm there. (laughs) Begin to live out your assignment. 
Listen, we spend our whole time looking for something else, new, new arenas, new circumstances, new environment. Listen, be who God's called you to be right now, today, this moment. Sing a little bit louder. God's about to do something. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Look at E. Your gift will make room for you. I remind you, Paul was not in charge. He was a prisoner. But before it's over, <laughs> he's influencing them. Before it's over, he says, listen, you haven't eaten for many days. And he took bread, he broke it, gave thanks, and they all ate. And it says they were then encouraged. Uh, your gift will make room for you. Begin to use your gift. Quit trying to impress people and start impressing God. Ooh, I'm about to preach right here. Too many of us are trying to impress one another. You only have an audience of one. Did you hear me? You only have an audience of one. His name is God the Father. His name is Yeshua. So go ahead and impress the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Quit trying to live your life to impress others and begin to live your life to get the attention of God. Woo! Well, let's go home. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Sit back down. Your gift will make room for you. It'll make room for you. Leaders rise to the top. Influence serves influence. I'm dealing with a situation, listen, where potential leaders allowed the circumstances to change them instead of them changing their environment. Mm. God's called you to be a leader, lead. God's called you to be an influencer, begin to influence. You say, well, people don't recognize me. People don't give me acknowledgement. People don't need to give you acknowledgement. If you're an influencer, you'll influence. And guess what? God will raise you up and God will bring the honor in his due time, in his due season. Woo, that right there, you can go home on that one. It's all about trust. You need to write this down. It's not in your notes. Don't wait until you have a title or in a position to start being. God who calls you has called you to be now in this moment. God will create the position, the moment, the opportunity. It's about trust. Trust, real quick, trust. Today, rely unconditionally, serving totally trust. Today, this moment, right now, today, rely unconditionally, serve totally everything. Go all in. I think sometimes the reason we don't have breakthrough in some of our lives is because we're holding back when the Holy Spirit says, go all in. Let's talk about some lessons learned in the storm. We're going to look at verses 22 through 26, and we're going to see how the angel of the Lord spoke to Paul and the word came to him. But take courage, none of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I serve, to whom I belong and serve, stood beside me. He said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. 
What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone selling with you. So take courage, for I believe God. Write this under A. Take courage. What do you need in a storm? What do you need in a crisis? What do you need when you feel overwhelmed? You need courage. Now, in this particular place, the Greek word means to be encouraged, to take courage, to become encouraged. Now, I remind you, Paul was a prisoner. He didn't have, uh, he didn't have a church going alongside him. There was not a church with him. There was not, the, the, the scriptures does not tell us there was a group of believers and Paul was the leader among them. It just simply says he was a prisoner along with other prisoners. And there was about 276 people on board. I bring that out to you because a lot of times we're waiting for somebody else to bring the encouragement when the Holy Spirit wants you to encourage yourself. There are times in our life when we have to encourage ourselves. Man, I wish we could take Pastor Tyler and the worship team with us everywhere we go and they could just sing that song, uh, praise him in the storm, uh, sing a little louder. In church, I'd sing. But you know what? They can't go with me. I got to learn to encourage myself. The problem with a lot of us is we've never learned how to encourage ourselves. Mamas, daddies of small children, teach your children how to play alone, not just with other kids. Because there are times in your life when you will be alone and you gotta know how to survive. You gotta know how to make it. You gotta know how to encourage yourself. So if we learn it as a child, then when we become an adult, when others leave us, we'll know how to encourage ourselves. Why? Because we've been taught and trained how to do that. Oh, I got too close to home. You didn't like that. Take courage. He says there'll be no loss of life. Now, let me just tell you this. I want to remind you, life is precious to God. Life is valuable to God. God is the author of life. I bring that out because you should always be on the side of life. Mm, not choice, life. Did you hear me? You should always be on the side of life. God is the author of life. Life is precious to God. This self-centeredness is my right. It's my choice to do what I want. Who are you to tell me what I should do? Hear me today. Life is precious to God. Are there anybody here today who believes life is precious to God? And then he says, an angel of the Lord appeared last night. Angel of God, whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. Now I want to remind you without getting off course, without chasing a rabbit. Angels are spiritual agents dispatched by the Father to assist in the purposes and plans of the Father. Did you hear me? Angels are spiritual agents dispatched by the Father to assist in the purposes and plans of the Father. 
you'll discover through scripture that angels are ministering spirits. Angels were used to bring messages to God's people. You'll notice in scripture that angels bring comfort and reassurance. Angels also brought protection. Real quick, two passages. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Hebrews 1 verse 14 says, Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits to sent to care for people who inherit salvation. They're sent to do what? To care for people who inherit salvation. I tell you this to remind you there are more for you than be against you. If your spiritual eyes could be open, you would see a heavenly host encamped round about you. Why should you be afraid? Why should you be fearful? Because God is your protector and the heavenly host is charged with your protection. Psalm 91 verse 11 For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your foot. Why? Because God has given his angels to protect you. Now for you charismatic folk, before you get carried away, let me tell you, we do not worship angels. Did you hear me? We do not worship angels. We do not venerate angels. We are simply aware there are more for us on our side than on the enemy's side. God has dispatched the heavenly host to protect you and to be with you. So encourage yourself today because God is going to accomplish his purposes in your life. Can somebody give God praise? Mm. Write this under D, Paul's identity. Verse 23. Notice the lesson. Paul's identity Angel of the God to whom I belong. Paul Paul knew and understood his identity. He did not allow the storm to to redefine who he was. Hear me. Too many people have allowed the storms in life to redefine them. Mainly because they had no sense of identity going into the storm. Our identity in Christ gives us a sense of confidence. Our identity in Christ gives us a sense of courage. Don't allow the storm to change you. If you know who you are going in the storm, then you'll know who you are coming out of the storm. If you understand who you belong to going in, then you'll stand upon his name through the storm. Paul understood knew his identity. And when you know who you belong, who you belong to, then you'll live out that sense of identity. Write this under E, Paul's mission. Notice Paul, it says, the God whom I belong, and now notice this, and whom I serve. Paul already settled in his mind, no matter where he was, he was first a servant of God. Paul already settled in his mind, 
no matter what circumstance, no matter what city, what town, what village, what region he was in, he knew he was first of all a servant of God. Whether he was on land or on sea, he was a servant of God. He already gave up his rights. He already surrendered uh, control of his life. So when things changed, he didn't have to have a pity party. He didn't have to wonder, why are you doing this, God? He just simply took the position of a servant. He said, Lord, whatever's coming today, I'm going to serve you. I know how to be a base, and I know to have much. I know what it is to have plenty and to have nothing. But in every situation, I've learned to be content in the Lord. Why? Because I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. See, I think the reason we're stuck on why is because we're trying to control the situation. We've not settled uh, the facts that we're a servant first. We're still trying to be the potter. God says you're the clay. See, when the clay reaches the place of realizing that they're on the potter's wheel, the clay doesn't question the potter, why have you made me this way? Why are you forming me this way? Why are you doing it this way? See, the position of the clay is the position of just being there, serving. The problem in our American culture is we're always trying, we're always trying to control. We're always trying to be in the lead. We're always trying to get one up. So when things change, we get offended. When things change, we get upset. When things change, we begin to question why. God, I'm serving you. I'm faith. Why, why is this happening? Instead of asking what? Nowhere in this situation, nowhere in this story, nowhere in this narrative does Paul ask why. Because he knew what his mission was. One who serves does not cling to circumstances, position, or rights. They serve. When we have settled in our mind that we are servants first, then when circumstances change, we can still be confident because we'll serve him in all things. On another occasion, Paul said this, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. See, when you've already settled the servant question, everything else just falls in place. You take life as it comes, and you say, I'm going to sing a little louder because I'm on a mission. <laughs> God's got a purpose in this. God is for me. He's my protector. And guess what? If this circumstance takes me out, my eyes are going to open up to heaven. If we believe heaven is what we really say it is, then church, we'd much rather go to heaven than stay here in this life of misery, this life of heartache, pain, and suffering. So go ahead and serve God like this is your last day. Go ahead and serve him. Him, uh, with the endangerment. Go ahead and serve him. No bars hold. Go ahead and go all in. He's going to protect you. Be there. It's a mind of servanthood. Notice this under A. F. He stood beside me. The God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, 
See, the fact of the matter is sometimes we allow the storm to make us feel isolated and alone. But Paul was aware of the truth that God was with him. People need to be reminded today God is with you. You're not abandoned. You're not forsaken. God is there. You're not abandoned. You're not forsaken. God is there. Write this under G. He spoke. The Lord stood beside me and he said, we serve the God who is ever speaking. God will speak to you in the storm. What I have noticed is sometimes it's easier to hear God in the middle of the storm. Is it because we're more desperate? Is it because we're out of control so we just relinquish control to him? Is it because we're more prone to listen? God will speak to you. Open your ears, for he is ever speaking. Now this observation, this lesson I think is so important. Notice in the verse, it says, don't be afraid, Paul. I looked that up because I want to see if that was just a translation into the New Living. Was it just how the King James translated or was it in the original? Was Paul's name there or was it just said the Lord said, the Lord spoke? But here in this instance, he specifically used his name. The first thing he said is do not fear. Don't fear the storm. Don't fear the situation. Don't fear that which is beyond your control. And then he used his name singular. He used his proper name, Paul. I think that's important because I need you to see this. God knows your name. With six billion people on all the earth, God knows your name. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper cone? coin? Question mark. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Don't be afraid. Why? Because you're valuable. I'm here to remind you God knows your name. Isaiah 49 verse 16 says, See, I have written your name on the palm of my hand. You need to hear that today. Your name is written on the palm of his hand. Real quick, write this. A higher purpose. Don't be afraid, Paul, because you surely will stand trial before Caesar. <laughs> the higher purpose is Paul was going to stand before the highest authority of that known world, Caesar. The purpose was not the storm. The, the storm was the attack. Did you hear me? The purpose was not found in the storm. The storm was the attack to take Paul out. See, the storm that you're in is just there to take you to your purpose. There's a higher purpose. And your purpose is to give voice to the God you serve. Your purpose is to get witness of his faithfulness. Your purpose is to sing a little louder. Your purpose is to declare that no matter what, I'm going to trust him. Your purpose is to be like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Your purpose. There's a higher purpose. 
than what you can see. Allow God to take you to that higher purpose. Finally, write this. I believe God. Musicians come. <laughs> there comes a point in your life when you got to say, am I going to believe what the circumstance is telling me? Am I going to believe what the storm is saying? Or am I going to believe God? Am I going to believe the other 275 people who are fearful? Am I going to believe the other 275 people who are afraid for their life? They're throwing things overboard. They're trying to lighten the ship. They've taken ropes and they've tied around the ship so it won't break up. Am I going to believe them? Am I going to believe the Northeaster? Or am I going to believe God?